You're listening to The Voice. Benvenuti a Leuven. Leuven, Jürgen. Добро пожаловать в Leuven. Bienvenue à Leuven. Willkommen in Leuven. Leuven에 오신 걸 환영합니다. Welcome in Leuven. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Voice. This is actually the last show of the year. Uh, Christmas is coming, and so to why my friends Nicholas and Philip um, aired our whole episode to get into the Christmas vibe last, last week. So you can check out our past episodes on Spotify and the channel The Voice on Radio, but it can also find on Facebook at The Voice International Student Publication, on Instagram, thevoice.kuluvin, and also the podcasts are on podcast.com and Mixcloud so plenty of places where you can find us um, actually I don't think I introduced myself um, my name is Anita this is my first show I recently joined the voice team and I'm having a lot of fun so far I'm really excited but also nervous about my first radio show today so hopefully I don't mess up too much <laughs> Um, so today what I have prepared for you is a special talk about a really delicate topic, which is uh, the current events taking place in Hong Kong. And uh, we're going to shed a bit of light on the protests that have been going on for now six months. And a special host will share her ideas with, with us about this. Um, and yeah, so as I said, this is the last show. Uh, we'll be back on the 7th of February after the really feared block period. So everybody's going home or many people are going home and we're going to have a lot of food and be spoiled. And uh, even though it's not going to be completely relaxed because we ha all have to study, unfortunately, but at least we won't have to think about cleaning our house or do doing the grocery, hopefully. So yeah, we'll be back soon and um, we have a lot of really nice, exciting things in store for you, uh, exciting episodes, radio episodes and also articles. So I'm not going to talk a lot about about the radio shows now. It's a bit of a surprise. You'll find out in February. But concerning the articles, we have some, some articles coming up about South America. We have a lot of members of the team who can talk about this because they're their home country so they they can really share some wisdom with us um and so to get you a bit into the the vibe of this week's episode um i'm going to play a song by beatles revolution about destruction Don't you know that you can count me out Don't you know it's gonna be
Welcome today to Aida. She's here to have with us today to share some thoughts about Hong Kong. She likes to call herself a con girl. And um, yeah, we're just gonna talk a bit about the current situation that's going on. And um, I personally think it's really interesting. And the reason why I wanted to share some thoughts with her, actually her, for her to share her thoughts with me is because I have a really uh, limited view of what, what is going on in, in Hong Kong. And uh, we just got information from the news, but it's never, it's never enough. And also, I think uh, we also, we feel really thoroughly what the situation in our, in our home countries. So I think that that would be the same for 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 you, I think. Hello, Aida, and welcome. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm really happy to see um, like a European girl really interested in Hong Kong. I mean, I, I personally see a lot of similarities uh, between European social movements and Hong Kong. Um, and I'm really glad that it stroked someone because I really think that it's, it's the idea that really matters. And it's, it's really a generation of youth that brings up really new ideas and we should really look into them. Yes, even to that. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Just let's share some some different points of view about delicate topics since also I think Leuven is the best uh, place to be. Uh, there are so many international students and I think we definitely should take advantage of, of the fact that there it's such a multicultural a multicultural place and just yeah, there is a lot of ideas going on and a lot of knowledge about 
each other's countries. So um, I think we should maybe start with a bit of a, a background of what is been going on political and yeah, mostly political for those who might not be updated about about the situation, myself included, actually. So it will be very interesting for me as well to know a bit more. So I guess my first question is pretty obvious, but is why did the people in Hong Kong start protesting? Like, Well, basically, um, the official answer is that it started with a, a bill called extradition law. So um, extradition law basically means that um, if there is a suspect in Hong Kong, then the Hong Kong uh, chief executive, not the law system, but the chief executive, which is president, like the substitute of president, could actually send them to the China's law system, which in China, actually, if uh, the, they have a conviction rate of 99.7%, which means that if you are arrested, there's only 0.3% that you're not going to be charged and not going to be going into the prison. Okay. So you can imagine, like, it's a very high chance. Maybe it implies that your rights of defending yourself, of protecting yourself is not really protected well. Okay. And did that, um, did that get ratified eventually or not? Yes, um, it was already being withdrawn, but then it withdrawn at a very late stage at around um, November or October, I think October. But then during this whole month, since June to October, there's already a lot of corruption and um, bad governance um, and the infiltration of China into Hong Kong being digged up. So all these really um, exaggerate the things that it took It took uh, the protest beyond only a bill, but to reform Hong Kong. All right, so that's why it's it's still been going on and it's just escalating. Yeah, indeed, it's still real time, guys. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what did they achieve so far? The protests. Do you think they actually steered something? Um, they ch they are changing the the government's views or their attitude, or you think it's just. They have none. They have not achieved anything so far. Here, I think the best to explain is basically with a fun fact. Everyone thinks that China is like the closest country. Oh, except North Korea, maybe. But then actually, there was a protest um, in Guangzhou, in the southern part of China, very close to Hong Kong. They were protesting against uh, building an incinerator. They protest for two days, and the government withdraw the bill. So Hong Kong protesters always meme themselves. Oh my God, Hong Kong like is having less freedom than Guangzhou. So basically, <laughs> we we really like Hong Kong government is really the last person you can change. <laughs> But then I, I do think we have a lot of things that we already achieved. The fact that um, we are talking about it here in a Belgium radio channel is yeah. part of it. Um, It also is a lot of things, like locally speaking, it's about um, the identity of being a Hong Konger, that you feel like you belong to here, your voice is being heard, you can build your community, and all the creativity that stimulated um, Hong Kongers. These are a side of Hong Kong that we never seen, no matter under British control or after the handover of China. To put it short, Hong Konger never have a say never have their voice being heard. But this is the very first time ever since the name Hong Kong exists. Wow, that's already very inspiring and tells a whole lot about how you feel about these topics. Um, is it hard to be far from home right now? Um, or are you happy that you're not um, experiencing this? It's really hard. Uh, it feels like living two lives. <laughs> 
Um, Hong Kong is six hours faster. So basically, uh, when we wake up, uh, it's basically already noon in Hong Kong. So you just you missed already a bunch of events. Yeah, going but on. the other side, I also have to chase um, information until late um, because in the late night it's already the morning of Hong Kong. Um, Yeah, and then it, it really feels like after all the routine here, then I still have a life in Hong Kong. Um, at the same time, it's also about um, the people I face. Like in Hong Kong, everyone knows what is going on. Uh, you don't need a lot of explanation. But here, um, everything is, is introductory. Like you have to explain what is going on. And sometimes it's very hard to relate. So this kind of distance between people could, could make things hard. But I also receive a lot of concerns and care. Like people around me, they would really generally uh, follow the Dutch news, the Flemish news about Hong Kong. And there are actually more and more news. So people around me, they're getting more and more involved. And they even talk about the topic without me mentioning it. So yeah, that's nice. Yeah. That makes you feel a bit more like your home. And I have you, a bubble of home now. <laughs> and do you think the information that, get, that gets here to Europe is... Um, It's true. It, it's true. I mean, the information that we read here, do you, do you feel like some informations are distorted or what do you, how do you I feel about... I would say it's definitely in balance. Yeah, sometimes um, like things happen really fast in Hong Kong. Even journalists in Hong Kong, they, they are not able to cover every side of the story or they could not reconstruct the whole complete story. Uh, some, like for this reason, European news, they could not follow everything. For example, um, yeah, sometimes they would report a violence from the protesters, but not from the police because it's hard, uh, it's more difficult to follow. But then I think one thing Europe European news definitely focuses about the creativity of Hong Kong protesters and also how students are so much involved because basically um, 50% of the protesters are under 30 and most Most of them, they could, they are actually 15 to 18. Wow, that's um, really young. Yeah. Everybody is being involved in this more than probably in the past, right? Yeah, I guess um, European, um, European news, they are really interested in this angle, probably because it reminds them of the global climate strike, like where young people are also the strongest choice. Yeah, yeah, I think I can relate in a, in a way. That brings me to the next topic that I want to discuss with you. The violence uh, that, that can occur during protests, and I can relate in a way um, because I participated in some climate strikes and some climate uh, yeah, protests. And, but I feel like I still have just a limited uh, uh, perception of what police violence is. So, um, yeah, it's just, I think... Also, this could be a great difference in a perception of how, how we perceive violence. So <clears throat> a lot is, has been said indeed about in the news about, about how violence has escalated during the protests in, in Hong Kong. And uh, uh, I, we saw pictures about, for example, the, the girl wearing the bandage mm -hmm. on her eye. And I just wanted to ask you a bit about, about this to you. Um, do you think the police attitude towards the protesters has changed throughout time from the beginning of the protests up till now? Uh, going more hostile, yes. It feels like um, there's even saying that after this protest, even for generations and generations, um, as long as someone gets to know that maybe your parents or grandparents have been involved in the police force, there is no compromise. Like it's 
it's more like something that is historically very ashaming that there, there could no, no longer be any connection between. So the hostile is really huge now. It's cross-generation. But I think to understand this, we really have to go back on what police brutality is like in Hong Kong. So basically, if to put it everything in one short sentence, I would be I would think it would be like um, severely violating human rights. Yeah, for example, what they do is really say some stories. For example, the girl with a bandage. Uh, the girl was actually a first aider. And what she did was merely stood at a bus stop and peek her head out to see if there is any police very close to a police station. And then there was already uh, a rubber bullet uh, going into her eye straight. And then her lost her eye. Uh, she lost her eye. Uh, so you can see what what she did was was just to peek. So basically, um, rubber bullets should never be shot in eyes or like any any places up up uh, upper body. Uh, so you can actually see that it's a very improportional and unreasonable uh, violence. And also, there are some underground violence. For example, there are stories that a 16 year old high school student were, was being gang raped in police station by four police. Uh, that she has to, to have an abortion. Um, there's also a lot of unexplained dead bodies over 2,500s. Um, a lot of them, they they were disappeared after being arrested. And we also have a detention center that has no CCTV and no monitor and no lawyers can get into get into the center that we don't know what is happening there. So uh, like it's it's hard, it's heavy, but you can actually imagine in face of this why the violence will escalate because it is sort of a self-defense because protesters will see being arrested as the end of their lives. And that's why every time before protesting, they will be posting on Instagram and Facebook uh, a statement of I would not suicide because the unexplained dead bodies will actually appear as suicidal and something like that. Yeah, and that's the most striking thing for me, exactly, because once you're arrested in Europe, you would never you would never think that. I mean, even though there are some violence that are perpetrated by the police in Europe, for sure as well, this is really a strong statement to, to say, once I'm arrested, I can actually die. So it's uh, that's why this is a very... It's a uh, yeah. It's intense to hear your your words, but um, I'm gonna allow our listeners to have a little break. Um, I will just bring the music back a little bit <laughs> and make it more local. So um, I chose um, a song by a Belgian band that is called Balthazar. Um, so enjoy Fever, and see you in a bit. Oh 
So welcome back to The Voice. We're here with Ida the Kong girl. My pleasure. <laughs> and um, we were talking actually about something um, really, a really delicate topic, uh, which is the violence that have, have been occurring during the protests in Hong Kong. And uh, um, so many, so many topics related to human rights violations and um, that the protesters actually have a lot at stake when they decide to go to the streets in Hong Kong, which is, I imagine, uh, the, the biggest difference between the protests going on in Hong Kong right now and what we know as protests in, in Europe and what, what we have at stake in Europe when we protest. So um, since the protests have now been going on for six months and these human rights uh, violations are are being said to be to be there and to exist. Um, do you think that uh, there are other ways that the protesters, other ways of organizing uh, by the protesters that are do not involve going to the streets and facing the police directly, like more hidden yeah, ways? Yeah, actually, like um, it has been six months and we're definitely not taking to the streets 24-7. So we actually have like a whole cycle of alternative ways of protesting. Like this is more creative or we're thinking of ways of sanctioning that is not, you know, exactly face to face with the police like for example um, we're making something called a yellow economic cycle what we called yellow is uh, the color for protesters so we are actually only going to shops restaurants that support uh, the protesters so that we could build our own economic circle so that we could like feel you know um, connected when we're having our meals and really enjoy it because you can imagine there's also a lot of business supporting China so um, this is we think think in the long in the long run one way of um, securing um, the voice of supporting protesters because the more we go to the restaurants the more the voices could be sustained of these restaurants and also um, we have more um, going into community ways for example we create Lenin walls all over different residential areas and that we will stake different memes different drawings um, different posters um, yeah we do have some cute stuff and we have a lot of memes Uh, one of the memes that I really like is um, about um, a Chinese social media, TikTok, which is the Instagram equivalent in China. So what is going on is uh, usually in a meme you have four grids. And in the three grids, um, there will be three, per three people laughing. And the fourth grid is uh, President Xi Jinping laughing. So it's basically saying that whatever you see something funny in the Instagram equivalent, um, Xi is also watching you and is also laughing. <laughs> like these are some more creative ways that we want to trans you know, transfer our message, but then not really violence way. Yeah. So the, the support network is it's quite broad, right? And who is part of the support network and how does is it organized in in situ and like online? Because I imagine the online community is also extremely active. So who is part of, of this network and what are the logistics? Yeah, indeed. Um, actually, um, ever since the world heard that Hong Kong has two million people taking on streets, actually, whenever there is some large scale of protests um, during the weekend, there would also be like 50 to 60 um, different cities all over the world doing the same protests um, on the same day with Hong Kong, like despite the time differences. Um, this is 
This this also says that actually uh, a lot of Hong Kongers that already migrated to different cities, they are also doing something to support them. And it's not only about parallel protesting; it's also about some um, emotional support or some uh, secu- uh, safety support when protest happens. For example, providing information about the transportation, providing information of um, where they see the police are, or providing some ways that they could see there there's no police and they could leave. So Or, to protect the yes. protesters from from getting yeah, it's really amazing arrested. because there is like an emerging community, a civil co- co- society that is away from Hong Kong but still very closely connected. Yeah, that's that's encouraging. I imagine also for people that are there and have a lot. I, I love a lot at stake when 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 involved in the protests. So. Um, but also we've been talking about the protesters in such a, a general. Way so I'm sure it's not a monolithic group, mm-hmm. so and it's probably very diverse. So, um, who are the participants? Um, who, who are who are the ones that are taking actions? Statistically speaking, we do have sex. Fifty um, percent of them are under thirty, and eighty percent out of the fifty percent is actually uh, having tertiary education. So you can see that they are young people uh, with with ideas with. Uh, innovation to change the world into a better place and that at the same time uh, there's also uh, a really diverse uh, composition for example we do have um, uh, some elderly people they try to um, help the youngsters by doing uh, by by forming a group like save the children so what they do is they hold hands and stand in front of the police as a human chain Because like we, we in, in Chinese culture, we do have the concept that we have to respect the older people so that they are they're like, how dare you? You know, how dare you to walk in, uh, towards us elderly people? So in this way, they're also trying to help the young people. Or we also have some middle class people who who um, in theoretically um, in p- political science uh, point of view, the middle class is always the last to change the society because they're having a stable life. But then the middle class is also joining. For example, what they do is to really buy some expensive gears um, to to protect them uh, from like wherever they order from or they would actually be what we call school buses. So what is school buses is that when the public transportation is all being stopped by the police they're actually going to drive their own cars to pick them up. So like a private taxi yeah, service? Yeah, private taxi and we call it a school bus because they are students. Okay. Yeah. That's nice because it's uh, it's all over the place. It's, uh, it's uh, helped coming from different ways from Also from restaurants, like you said, and so it's a support that it's like throughout the whole city. So it's not, it doesn't happen. It happens everywhere, right? There are not neighborhoods where there's more support than others. Or am I wrong? In yeah, I could this? actually say it's everywhere. It's like um, protesting is getting into our blood. It's getting into 24/7 of our schedule. For example, you mentioned restaurants. Restaurants actually have a big role. Like. Um, Going to restaurants is unlike Europe. Like here, going to restaurants in Europe is like an occasional thing. It's a special occasion. But then we go eat outside every meal in Hong Kong. Um, so actually what is happening is that the restaurants actually will provide free meals as long as you have a student card. Because they do know that a lot of protesters, because they protest, uh, a lot of parents that support the China, they will just 
put them out of their house, cut all their you know pocket money, and things like that. And also, for example, sometimes when um, there's protests going on and the police are chasing after the protesters, what the restaurants do is basically they will let the students in, they will let the protesters in, and then hide their their stuff. Uh, hide their protective gears, and then the students will, in one second, beco- become become um, you know uh, clients, yes. uh, consumers yeah. of the restaurants. And then, like when the police arrive, like they could do nothing to them because they mingle with the crowd. Exactly. Wow, there's <laughs> a lot of techniques. Um. Yeah, we are trying very hard in any way. That's crazy. <laughs> and um, one question is more of a comparison. Um, how do you think, what are the main differences from this current protest and the umbrella movement um, in terms of who participates, of the attitude of both the protesters and the police and the issues at stake? Well, I would say... Um, The biggest difference is really in in 2014, we are all um, very reluctant to violence. What we suggest at that time is to be rational, peaceful and nonviolent. We are suggesting civil disobedience. But in 2019, we are suggesting that um, we have to defend, self-defense ourselves against the very deadly force of violence. Um, This is the first. And the second is that um, the police brutality actually... uh, Uh, escalate so much. Throughout 2014, uh, the 87 days of umbrella movement, um, I think within 90 um, uh, tear gas that the police used. But then um, here in in 2019, already over 6,000 of tear gas were being used. So any, any one day within the six months could already have more tear gas than the, uh, the 2014 that we had. So it's more violent from both sides then. It's like a yeah, vicious it's, cycle that's yeah, escalating in terms of violence compared to, to umbrella movement. Yes, protesters are going all in. Yeah, and the, the, do you think the issues at stake are are more important right now or maybe are the same uh, that were at stake before um, in 2014? I would definitely say 2019 is another level. Because um, I think another level in local and also global sense, locally speaking, um, we finally have the idea of reclaiming Hong Kong, uh, reclaiming in a sense that we want um, the China and China's interference to get away of Hong Kong, to go out of Hong Kong. We want our government to be uh, elected by ourselves. We want our community be, to be filled with Hong Kongers. And in globally speaking, we uh, realize that um, Hong Kong is fighting for um, not about Hong Kong itself, not about the democracy within Hong Kong, but it's actually fighting about human rights and freedom uh, within a f- and the biggest authoritarian regime in the world. And that's why there is actually a saying that um, Hong Kong is actually the global frontier of the, uh, where the authoritarian regime and the liberal democracy meets. So it's kind of like the new Cold War, the new Berlin. Um, wow, that's, yeah. a, that's a strong statement, but I can see uh, how you get, you get to it. Yeah, well, um, so since we talked about the Umbrella Movement and we're also in Belgium, so it, it rains a lot, I'm going to do another music break. And this time uh, we're going to play Umbrella, not by Rihanna, so the classical version that you know of, but by the band Train. So see you in a bit. You have my heart 
So welcome back. Again, I'm here with Aida, um, speaking of really heavy topics, but very, very interesting. Um, so we were just uh, talking about the the net- network that supports um, the protests in Hong Kong and how these protests can be more or less um, involved in violence. So in the right way of protesting, and apparently there is many ways in which um, citizens of Hong Kong are contributing to this common effort. And um, I think now it's also maybe comes natural to me to ask you a bit about the future scenarios here and how do you think this situation can evolve in the future because uh, we've seen that violence has been escalating and also at international context the US is taking some stances on the issue and it's um, questioning the violation of human rights from Hong Kong so I think I guess my question is uh, where do you see this going do you see the, the the demands of the protesters being met eventually or do you see an intervention from, from from outside forces or um, so how do you imagine the for the next four months in Hong Kong? I think um, so far the protest has really given us a lot of surprise like in America we have the human democracy right uh, act and after that act actually a lot of countries um, also have something similar for example in Italy um, there was also um, a statement on uh, the human human rights violation in Uyghurs and also in Netherlands and in Germany they're also putting a stop towards uh, cooperating with China's um, 5G technology because of the privacy and artificial intelligence, uh, facial recognition they're worried about. So these are things that we really uh, have not expected, but they are really big um, um, echoes of, of the protests. Um, I think one one really uh, impressive pro- uh, uh, result of the protest is really about the e-gaming industry. Um, so basically there was a Hong Kong e-gamer um, called Mwai Chong, and basically Chong, um, he, uh, he's talked about a slogan when he was playing a championship And after the championship, he won it. But then um, the Blizzard, uh, the name of the company, uh, is is a really big company in e-gaming. And he, uh, the company took away his money. And that turns into a really big protest, just as big as NBA. Uh, and then and then actually e-gamers, like, they felt like, oh, China interference or censorship actually can go through their computer monitors and really, like, tell them not to speak about, even they're not in China. So it ended up more protests of e-gamers. And what is fun about it is that when they protest, what they actually say about the slogan is not free Hong Kong. Eh? What they say is... <laughs> You make me you get you make me get out of my couch. So it's basically like, oh, we are e gamers. We're staying in our homes, and why did you stop what like stop what we want to say? So basically, I think um, the Hong Kong protest is going in ways that we could not imagine. Like basically, it rings the bell of the international people or even different industries like e gaming. It looks totally irrelevant, but it really rings the bell about how much the China censorship and the violation of human rights is going everywhere outside of China. So I think I do not have an exact answer, but I'm pretty sure that the voices of the Hong Kong protesters is too loud to be unheard. So I think only more echoes will come along. Yeah, I I hope that this is what 
this is what is going to happen, honestly, because it's just, I mean, it's a concern for everybody to hear to hear this on top of all the all the other current problems that we're experiencing and at all levels, because also Europe has its own its own problems and protests going on. I can personally share a story about about Italy right now. There's this Sardine movement that's been gaining momentum and it's against, well, it's quite a different situation, but it's still it's still a protest against um, the current political forces and uh, actually the populism. And it's funny for me to see that this actually, these protests are also happen here in Belgium. There are some protests against against populism and, and Salvini in Antwerp. So that was really funny to hear. And also reconnects with the idea that these um, ideas spread around and and people actually mobilize to 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 have their voices heard around the world and throughout in this case Europe, but in your case all the Hong Kongers that are not in Hong Kong. Yeah, speaking about social movement in Europe, I really think there is a fun story. Like basically um um uh so recently there is like an election of the person of the year in Time magazine so Greta um eventually won but then in the final five like um in the uh, readers um uh, uh voting actually Hong Kong protesters went really close with Greta actually won Greta and then people were like um you know arguing which is more important but the thing is actually the two parties they are well connected with each other and in fact Greta also stood uh, stood with Hong Kong uh, basically I think one thing is that um really the youth is is having ideas that to making the, the world a better place and that we should not really put Hong Kong protests as a really far stuff that really is irrelevant because I think ultimately it's a sta- the same destiny of young people having a really good idea and wanting to change the world into a better place to make it better to make it better for our next generation yeah so you see a, a bit of a connection with the between Hong Kong protests and the climate the climate movements right now can yeah. we maybe stretch it that far and say that actually yeah the youth is is just taking action in different yeah in different Eras, so yeah, I I agree. It's it's prom- promising, I guess. Anything. Yeah, historically speaking, I think both Hong Kong protests and the global climate strike will be uh, the most important moment to awake people, to mobilize them, to have their first movement in their lives. Yeah. So I think in this sense, we're not that far from Europe. Yeah, can you imagine in 50 years, we're going to be, I mean, our kids are going to be reading books about it history books and maybe it's even going to make it to to history books who knows who knows well um now we're going to have just another small break before going more going lighter with some cultural fun facts about hong kong and we're going to play um a song by guts it's called want it back
only one It only seems impossible until it's done His story is good until we tell another one Meanwhile sell another gun And blame them if they use it up to kill another one Well it's still before the storm We said sail against the currents and the norms Here we are Welcome back. Um, now, enough with political talks. <laughs> That's been it's been really interesting. But I want to make this conclusion, the conclusion of our show, lighter and funnier for everybody. Also for you, Ida, because it's it's a lot of. <laughs> I imagine you talk a lot about these topics already during, I mean, your everyday life. So let's just make it lighter. Um, I have I. I guess I have very general questions about Hong Kong culture because I remember when I went, I I realized there was quite some differences from what I expected and even from food, for example, uh, Cantonese food. I I I I literally loved it. So, but that's just one example. So I just let you kind of tell yeah. me a bit about about some cultural facts and some cultural features that you'd like to share with us about Hong Kong. Yeah, I think it's very hard for um, Europeans or in general people to distinguish Hong Kongers and Chinese. But then uh, really Hong Kongers, they think themselves are Hong Kongers instead of Chinese because um, they basically have a really different um, uh, culture. For example, they have a whole different mother tongue. We do not speak Mandarin, we speak Cantonese. And also we have like um, a whole, whole different culture 
especially eating because we merge into a lot of uh, British colonial influence. And by the way, a fun fact, um, if you walk around different European cities and you see Chinese restaurants, it's very likely that it's opened um, by um, Hong Kongers and you are actually eating Cantonese cuisine. Exactly. And that's exactly my point because in Italy, we have a lot of Chinese restaurants and that's how we call them. And then I realized that throughout my, my trip in, in China, I was not having food that I had in Italian restaurants. Um, I mean, Chinese Italian restaurant. And then when I got to Hong Kong, I actually had the food that I have in Italy in Chinese, the so-called Chinese restaurant. So I realized that actually what I, what I had been having for my whole life was Cantonese cuisine. And I just didn't give enough credit. I mean... To, to Hong Kong for this. <laughs> so. Yeah, maybe from now on, besides the Hong Konger and Chinese, we also have to dis distinguish Cantonese cuisine and also a lot of different cuisines in Chinese food. Actually, there is a very simple reason is that Hong Kong uh, is, has a much longer migration history than Chinese people do. So actually, if you see um, Chinese faces in Europe, it's very likely that they, they really come from Hong Kong in an earlier stage. And that Cantonese food is, is really, I mean, radically different from other cuisines like there's a lot of cuisines within Chinese food, for example, like Shanghai cuisine, Sichuan cuisine. Very um, spicy, right? Yeah, very <laughs> spicy. Um, for Cantonese food, it's really famous for um, being sweeter than yeah. uh, the northern cuisine because, like back in the days, um, sugar is is a symbol of being wealthy because it's very expensive back time. So, and southern part is closer to the sea, so people get rich by trading. Uh -huh. So they add more sugar into their food to show that they're wealthier. Okay. It's like a social status. So this remains until today. Um, it's also mixing a lot of um, English stuff. For example, we have milk tea, which actually comes from English breakfast tea. But then we add our own condensed milk. So it really is a mixture of history and fun facts. <laughs> That's nice. Do you miss anything in specific that you, you cannot have here? I would definitely miss roast BBQ pork. We call it <laughs> cha siu. Um, okay. Yeah, it's really my go-to cuisine in Hong Kong. Okay. There's also duck, right? That's something that I had, remember, and I loved it. A lot yes. of duck-based uh, um, um, dishes. Yeah, I think uh, the most famous duck cuisine is the Beijing duck, the Peking duck. Okay. Yeah. So it's more of a Chinese uh, recipe? Yes. I think uh, in Hong Kong, it's more like a, a fusion of everything. Like you can literally eat um, Chinese for breakfast and then Thai for lunch and then, you know, Vietnamese for dinner. It's like everyday Hong Kong life. Okay. And so... Um, what about music, for example? Uh, what, 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 what do you listen to at home? I definitely listen to Canton Pop. So, uh, yeah, I know that K-pop is going everywhere in the world, but we also have Canton Pop. So uh, the fun fact about Canton Pop is that Cantonese is very melodic itself. Uh, there is a very famous lyrics, uh, uh, lyrics person in Hong Kong who says that Cantonese is basically the only language that um, you don't need to have a melody first, because if you have the lyrics itself, there is already a melody going on. So, yeah, because it has nine intonation versus four in Mandarin. So this is really the fun fact for us. <laughs> nice. That's super interesting. I, I could stay here all, all night literally about talking about this because I, oh, I've also been there, but I, I didn't have the chance to, to exchange any ideas with locals. Uh, so when I was in Hong Kong, so I'm so glad that, that I can do this now, even though the themes are just infinite. Um, so I just, I think we have to, to go now, but um, I just want to thank you 
a no lot problem. for being My here and it was amazing to share some ideas and I look forward to having you again maybe next semester I'm sure events will still happen and there's a lot to talk about and with just events running so fast and things changing I think there's always something to say and you probably have really strong stances on this so I look forward to hearing more about about it all so thank you again no problem So I want to thank you all for listening to us today. Hopefully you enjoyed um, learning more about the current situation in Hong Kong. And um, also hopefully we'll find some more nice guests like Ida who are willing to share their home country situation with us here on radio. So stay tuned. Um, and also don't forget to follow us on Spotify, on The Voice on Radio, exclamation point, which is really important. Otherwise you don't find us. And uh, yeah, I wish you all the best luck with the exams. Um, I think we will all make it alive by February, guys. So um, I think we, sh we shouldn't worry too much. Uh, see you soon and enjoy our last song of today. It's called a uh, Today by 18. It's a Cantonese pop band um, and the singer encourages, from what I learned from the translation, encourages young people with this song. So I think we can all use this right now. So see you soon and Merry Christmas to y'all. Yeah.
歌，可以代表我，帮我为你加一点负荷。假使可以全没隔阻。假使可以全没隔阻。